Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that's spicy. Patriots all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. Ladies and gentlemen, Foxborough football fans, it is Thursday heading into week two of the NFL season. I'm Kyrie Thompson, and this is the next episode of First and Foxborough. Before we get started, you know what to do. Download, subscribe, listen, stream it on the Odyssey app. And wherever you get your podcast, make sure you're following me at Katie Thompson Five on Twitter, and following the show account at First and Foxborough F O X B O R O. We have officially beaten to death Week One that lost to the Miami Dolphins. What went wrong? I've said there are a couple of things that went well. Look, let's turn the page on that. The Patriots already have, and let's move on to the Week Two opponent, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I'm going to jump right in and basically tell you that I had this game from the beginning. When the schedules first came out, I had this one penciled in as a win for the Patriots. I did not have last week in there as a win. I thought that, uh, quite unfortunately, the Patriots were going to lose that one, um, and that did so. Hey, you know what? If, if, you, if you value uh, you know, my, my uh, nascent prediction skill, so far I'm 1-0. All right, so maybe I'll be one. Maybe I'll be two and zero after this Sunday. So why do I think that? Because after all, we saw this offense, right? We saw the Patriots' offense and how bad it was, and they couldn't move the ball. They had no rhythm, and the play calling was terrible, and the offensive line execution was terrible, and Mac Jones almost got himself chopped in half on a couple of occasions. All that. I feel like we've been talking a lot about the Patriots' offense and how they are going to cost people games, and uh, is, is Mac Jones it, right? And just, just all these questions about the Patriots offense. Well, you know what? I got even bigger questions about the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And on the surface, it's not necessarily about the entire unit, because 
I think that they have a pretty talented unit when it comes down to skill players, right? Najee Harris, first-round pick from last year, very good player. He's been dealing with a little bit of injury stuff, but I believe he should be available to play on Sunday, the way things are trending right now. Then you've got a solid receiver group. I mean, it could be very good in terms of upside, and got especially if uh, they're able to keep Deontay Johnson around. If they want to do that, they got Deontay Johnson. They've got Chase Claypool, who, yeah, might be a little bit of a knucklehead, but he's very athletic, very versatile, and he can make big plays and you can get him the ball in space. And then you drafted George Pickens in the second round just after the Patriots took Tyquan Thornton, actually. And a lot of people thought that Pickens might end up being the best receiver out of that whole kind of conglomerate of of second round players. And some thought he should have been a first round pick. I mean, I think he has that kind of talent. He's got the right kind of build for it, that he could be that that true X receiver star. And he was tearing it up during training camp and, and all of that. I don't know that we should be just yet lamenting that the Patriots took Tyquan Thornton instead of him because I think Tyquan Thornton has been really good for the Patriots. He's just hurt right now. Uh, but Pickens, he could be a really good player. So all in all, skill positions I think can be pretty good. I've heard that the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line is looking a bit suspect right now, so that definitely works in the Patriots' favor in terms of getting after the quarterback. But let's talk about that quarterback because that that's it. That's my key to this game. And it's the fact that, you know what, call me biased as a Bears fan, somebody who, who grew up, who watched this pick happen live when this guy was taken second overall in the 2017 draft and jaw absolutely hit the floor because I could not believe the Bears traded up a spot just to do this. I don't believe in Mitchell Trubisky at all. And I think that the Steelers quarterback situation is is just made me pick this the Patriots immediately. If they were even competent, I figured that they were probably going to win this game. We'll see about the Patriots' competence, uh, especially on offense. But, I mean, look, the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense made the Bengals look pretty disorganized, pretty bad. And they have tremendous skill players, and they've got Joe Burrow. So, I mean, they harassed Joe Burrow into four interceptions last week and and just limited and challenged everything about their offense. So, yeah, you could say, oh, well, they're look, just think about how hard they're going to make it on the, on the Patriots offense. Uh, if Hopefully a week of film and some adjustments both both internally and thinking about what the Patriots and thinking about what the Steelers did defensively can help things out for the Patriots. I mean, that's real optimistic. We'll see. But look, when it comes down to Mitchell Trubisky, let, let's let's hammer this point in. He's just not that good. He's not a very good quarterback. I mean, you could look at the stats. If you want. So, I mean, 194 yards, one touchdown. I think the best thing you could say about his performance last week for the Steelers is that he didn't turn the football over. And in the end, that is probably what helped them win that game because it went to overtime. They won it on a, on a game-ending field goal after just, just, a wi- just wild turns of events. You know, you had Boswell miss a field goal that could have won the game. And you had Ryan McPherson of the Bengals miss an extra point. That should have won the game. The game should have never gone to overtime, right? So it's just wild turns of events all over the place. 
And I will say Trubisky, you know, had had a nice escape on on a play that would have been it was a free play. So you had a jumper on the defense and then he spins away from a sack and completes it down the field to tight end, second year tight end, Pat Fryermuth. That's going to be an interesting challenge, actually, for this Patriots defense. Who's going to cover that guy? We didn't talk about him. when We talked about the other receivers. But, you know, obviously that's a great play by him. And then Trubisky completes another pass to get them into field goal range right before this the overtime period ends and you got to take a tie. That would have been embarrassing. So yeah, Trubisky has that in his game. He, he's, he's had that from time to time. A little bit of uh, you know end of fourth quarter, end of overtime magic. Get you down the field, get you into range, and then the kicker's got to do the rest from there. We've seen that a couple of times with him. But before that, I mean, I was watching the All-22 last night. And some of that stuff's just ugly. Almost his first pass attempt of the game, one one of the first ones, if not the very first. He's got he just just takes the snap. He's got a clean pocket, and he immediately just bails out of it and starts running to his right. And he he completes the pass. But you're just looking, you're thinking to yourself like, dude, you could have completed that pass from the pocket. And then there are times when I mean his his first default, a lot of the time was just to. You sense even the slightest whiff of pressure. You're just running, not even thinking about it, running. You're getting out of the pocket. And I feel like his accuracy, I mean, he, I think he was more accurate on the run than perhaps even being in the pocket when he was in Chicago. So, hey, maybe that increases the chance that you actually have a good play. But it's hard to succeed in the NFL when, you're, when you can't do it or won't do it from the pocket. I'm not one of those people that says, oh, running quarterbacks, the guys who, who like to run a quarterback, they, they can't win championships, they're not winners. I, I don't think that's entirely true. I do think, however, that when it comes down to it, you got to be able to win from the pocket because everybody's fast in the NFL. You're not going to outrun, you're not Mike, if you're not Michael Vick, you're not outrunning everybody. You can't make that style of play work all the time. And Mitchell Trubisky just doesn't frighten you from the pocket. Now, I was looking at some numbers last night because I'm, you know, a little stat nerd. You know, I, you know, I got this in my game. OK, so Trubisky in his first four years as a starter with the Chicago Bears, I was looking at his his EPA per play, estimated points added per play. Basically, just a, a look at how much value are you adding to your team by being out there on a play by play basis? How How much are you? adding to the possibility your team's going to go down and score points. And Trubisky in those first four years as a starter was only slightly better than rookie Tua Tungavailoa. And he's in that range with like old bad Ben Roethlisberger and just just a, a bunch of replacement level, like very, very replacement level starters or below average starters. And then you've got him in there with maybe some high quality backups. So not really that good of a player. And then I, I just for fun, I, I lumped in. So, so that period of time was 2017 to 2020. So that was rookie Tua, right? And then I added in the rest of Tua's number. So I stretched that time frame out 2017 to 2022. So that includes week one of last week. And yeah, Tua Tungavailoa is still kind of a bottom and in terms of efficiency right this this you know estimated points for play added 
So um, Tua is not necessarily great still. He's lumped in there with the back end of the starters in the National Football League. The Carson Wentz's, Jalen Hurts is in there, like those kinds of names. Jared Goff is, is in there a couple spots ahead of that. So he's not a great NFL starter, meaning Tua Tungavailoa, the guy who's now 4-0 against the New England Patriots. But you could still see why he is viewed as a starting NFL quarterback because he plays like one and he he at least has an identity I would say he he doesn't stretch the field a whole lot he doesn't have a great arm he does he just can't make all the throws that you could possibly want but he gets the ball out fast that that that's his thing he gets the ball out fast it allows you to treat the the short passing game like an extra facet of the running game, which is what a lot of offensive coordinators, head coaches talk about. Just, yeah, get the ball out four or five yards at a time and just keep it pushing. You can you can live with that. So I think that he he has that piece of his identity. I don't know what Trubisky leans on. Maybe it's just running out of the pocket and throwing on the move or what have you. To me, that's not enough to be a successful NFL quarterback. And his rankings on that list, on that 2017 to 2022 now, when you, when you stretch it out a little bit, and that list doesn't really include a whole lot of extra games for Trubisky because he spent 2021 as a backup to Josh Allen and only now is getting this opportunity to spot start for the Steelers basically while they wait for Kenny Pickett to be good enough to, to play. So... When you look at Trubisky on that new adjusted list, he's down there with the likes of what, Nick Foles. He's, he's underneath Nick Foles down there. Old bad Cam Newton, Josh McCown, Josh Johnson, who spot started for the Washington football team and basically every other team in the National Football League. He's just, just played for everyone at this point. So, I mean... That that's the kind of crowd Mitchell Trubisky resides with when it comes to what kind of quarterback are you by the numbers. He's a backup, a highly selected in the NFL draft and highly respected backup. That that's what he does. Okay, so he's he's not anybody the Patriots should be worried about. And as a matter of fact, they've handled Trubisky in the past. They've only met one time when he was in Chicago. That was in 2018, I believe. So that was the year that the Bears did end up going to the postseason. That game, Trubisky completed 26 of 50 passes, (laughs) barely over 50% completions for 333 yards. So like, oh yeah, the yardage number looks great, but on 50 pass attempts, not great. That was, so what, 6.7 yards per attempt. That, that's really not impressive at all. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. J.C. Jackson got him once on, a, again, a throw to the right. He's rolling out of the pocket, and he throws the ball. He really ought not to. We should have just thrown that away. And then he misfires. J.C. Jackson comes in, picks his pocket. And then another one that Jonathan Jones just made one heck of a play on down the field where throw definitely should have been open. Receiver should have made a play on it. Uh, Jonathan Jones just comes swoops in and, and and nabs it for an interception. And there were also some garbage time stats in there because I think, yeah, right at the end of the game, Trubisky chucks up a Hail Mary to the end zone. It falls a couple yards short, but it gets caught. So that's like 50 extra yards, you know, 60 yards or something. I think probably 50 yards to, uh, hey, old uh, 
First round pick, Kevin White, who's still bouncing around practice squads and trying to make people's 53-man rosters. That's the kind of stuff that happened the last time the Patriots played Mitchell Trubisky. His biggest highlight from that game was him scrambling around, like running to the right, bailing out of the pocket, and then going all the way back to the left and scoring a touchdown in the red zone, like a nine-yard touchdown, but he probably ran like 40 yards on the play. And that was that was his best play of the game. If you're looking at the plan for, okay, what do you worry about with Mitchell Trubisky? How do you defend him? Basically, just keep him in the pocket. I mean, just maintain the integrity of your rush lanes. If he gets outside the pocket, just you know, keep leverage on him. Make sure he can't outflank you. Make sure he's got to throw the football, whether he's got to throw it away or throw it across his body um, and something like that, you know, to keep it in bounds, make it difficult. And just, yeah, don't let him run the football on you. Keep him in there and force him to, to throw to beat you because he's proven that he can't really do that. At the NFL level, he cannot beat you if you keep him in the pocket all game long. And, you know, I mean, yeah, there are going to be some schemed rollouts. That's going to be part of the deal. You have to you have to count for that. But just just the, the, the broken plays and the times where he, you know, is bailing out. I mean, because he's athletic. He, he's still fast. So you do have to account for that. But all in all, as long as the Patriots offense proves that it is up to the task against a really good Steelers defense. Yeah, T.J. Watt's not going to be playing, but you still got to deal with Mika Fitzpatrick. You still got to deal with Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi coming back from injury. He looks strong. He's pushing pockets on the inside. I mean, that offensive line is going to get tested, so they better be up for it. So, sure, it's all going to tie into the offense, the Patriots offense one way or another. But if you just do your job, you score two touchdowns. Two touchdowns, sprinkle in a field goal, and you probably win this game. That's, that's, that's it. You probably only need 17 points to win this football game. Can you get there one way or another? Even if it's a defensive touchdown, for goodness sake. like Just get to 17 points, and that's, that might well be good enough. I mean, yeah, the Steelers scored a little bit more than that last week against the Bengals. But some of that was also a pick six by Minka Fitzpatrick, right? That spotted them some points. So yeah, also Patriots, don't turn the ball over, okay? Don't give them extra points. No more strip sacks in the red zone. No pick sixes. Just just keep the ball moving down the field. And if you can do that and and just, just play competent offensive football and score 17 points, that's all we're asking. That's probably going to be good enough to win this game. And... Be here at 1-1, one one, heading into the home opener and what could be a really tough matchup with the Ravens. But hey, one week at a time. I'm Kyrie Thompson. This was the latest episode of First in Foxborough. Once again, download, listen, subscribe, stream it on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcast. I'll be back tomorrow 